I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito. I am so happy you are joining us today. Um, I'm very grateful for the sponsor of today's show, um, my dear friend, Jen Barrett. Um, she is, uh, she is the, well, she created this amazing women's camp, women's retreat called, um, Camp Well, and, uh, Camp Well Summit, if you want to check it out, it's campwellsummit.com. She, um... So I know many of y'all have uh, know that a dear friend of mine's husband passed away uh, this last week in a motorcycle accident. And I actually met that beautiful girl, Kelly Stuckey, at uh, Camp Well Summit where I spoke. And we have this amazing group of women now that are all friends and we are prayer warriors for each other and our... Um, our little group is called Soul Sisters, and we just love each other so much. Anyway, I met all those girls at Camp Well Summit several years ago, and now we are the best of friends. So if you are a woman and you are looking for an opportunity to grow spiritually or um, meet amazing new people, uh, get prayer warriors yourself, then I would highly recommend you attend Camp Welds in beautiful Lost Valley on October 21st through the 24th. Um, Jen is offering $100 off for all my listeners. Um, you just use the code REMEDY when you sign up. Anyway, it's a, it's a week or four days that you will never, ever forget. And it's just an amazing, amazing fellowship and spiritual journey. And it's just you can't even imagine the blessing that it will be in your life. So go check it out, campwellsummit.com. And thank you, Jen, so much for sponsoring today's episode. So um, we have a return guest today, uh, Dr. Gary Barnes, who um, came and spoke with us, uh, what, just two or three weeks ago? And uh, feedback was amazing. That Everyone was like, get him back on. And um, I agree. I mean, I listened to it maybe two or three times. I needed it. It's like free therapy. I, I listened to it for myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny when I do the interview because I'm I'm thinking as a person who's interviewing instead of a listener. So you oh, okay. kind of go about it different. Yeah. So a lot of times I go back so that I can get out of it what everybody else is getting out of yes. it. Yes. So um, thank you so much for coming thank back. Thank you so much for having me the first time, but even more, asking me to come back again. Well, that, that's the real trick. So, um, And I just have to say the impact of Remedy is far and wide. I, I'm hearing from people I haven't seen in a long time that are all over the place. So <laughs> it it's is. really I'm amazing. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. Kevin and I have a lot to be proud of. Yes. Um, and <laughs> we have a, a lot of way. fun. Yes, we do. I learned a lot about life in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> Kevin's eyes have been open to lots of things. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's never the same. <laughs> Dr. Barnes, last week we had this guy um, named Ty in here, and Ty was homeless and Crazy story. Um, um, uh, he was incarcerated several times. He was a drug dealer. And now he's the, just this Christian rapper. Have you heard of Men in Nehemiah? No. Okay. So he was saved through this organization. Hmm. I mean, by Jesus, through this organization. But he shared his story. And he spent so much time in prison. So I got hung up on all these <laughs> <laughs> prison questions yeah. and Kevin was like what is wrong with you yeah, like, people have sex in prison people do drugs in prison like, <laughs> uh, of course I don't know any yeah. of them. I've never been to prison I don't watch prison shows so anyway yeah I learn a lot in these this room yeah too. <laughs> so um I asked Dr. Barnes to come back and talk uh we're talking this week about um about faith, faith and mm -hmm. family, faith and marriage. And then next week we're going to talk about communication. And I want to do both of those because 
I feel like those are probably the two biggest questions I get when people talk to me about yes. things that they're struggling with in their right. relationship. Um, faith is, so So it's interesting to me, and I'd be interested to get your perspective as well. It's funny to me that people can be married and share everything, and yet the two things that they seem to struggle with the most, at least from my perspective, and again, I'd be interested to hear mm -hmm. yours, the, thing, the two things that they have a difficult time talking about or being really open about or sharing is faith mm -hmm. and sex. Totally. Is that oh, true yeah. for you? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you're getting naked together, yes. but you can't talk about it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yes. 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 So, and for whatever reason, faith um, tends to be awkward. It tends to be an awkward subject for people. It's like, no, I have my faith, he has his faith, mm -hmm. and we don't talk about it. We go to yes. church together, we hold hands yes. at church, yes. but it's not something that we share together. It's a common tendency. We, we tend to over-personalize our faith. Mm. What does that mean and to so you? And so my faith mean? becomes just an extension of me, and it's private, and mm -hmm. it's personal. Mm -hmm. And so that is a kind of a faith. Mm-hmm. But then you have to ask yourself, is, is this the faith that really makes a difference in me? Mm -hmm. Because I become the basis of what my faith is. Mm. Yep. I need something that's bigger than me. So that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it is uh, a challenge for mm -hmm. couples to... Um, talk directly and openly and deeply mm -hmm. about their faith and the implications of it in terms of how I live my life personally, but also how we live mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. um, and so not only is that a common problem, but there's another common problem of even when couples would say we share the similar or even the same faith. Mm -hmm. Our core beliefs are same. Our, our religious practices are the same. Mm -hmm. If you just look at the research on their relationship outcomes, they're not significantly different from people who would say, we don't even have a faith. Wow. So if you are living in the same house and you go to the same church and you even, you know, I have my quiet time, you have your quiet time, but we're not talking about it. We're not sharing it. It's as it's the outcome. The relationship outcome is the same as if you have no faith at all. There's no is that right? There's no significant difference in divorce outcomes mm -hmm. of people who profess a faith mm -hmm. and even couples who profess the same faith. Mm -hmm. Now, in fairness to the research, there is a significant difference in not your profession of your faith, but in the practice of your faith. Okay. So this is getting to the walk, not just the talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, then I'm assuming, based on the fact that you sh just shared that stat, even though I don't know what the stat is, um, that those statistics are, are similar, that if you do share your faith together, that the divorce rate, the outcome is different? Is, I'm making that the, assumption. Is okay. that true? The distinction is not in the profession of our faith. Mm -hmm. Like we could even say the same thing mm -hmm. about our faith. Mm -hmm. the, the difference in the outcomes shows up when it's connected to the actual practice of your faith, the outworking. It's not your theology. It's your operational theology. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Together or even... All, all, all the all way, all together, the way. outside, you know. Personally and as a couple. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do pre, a lot of premarital counseling. That's something I really enjoy doing. And one of the weeks we talk about how to have a Christ-centered marriage. Yes. And, and what's funny is I have, I have counseled, gosh, I'd say 50 couples and not one. Not one wow. of those couples had a 
shared faith. Uh-huh. They w- went to church together, yeah. you know, but they they didn't talk about it. Only one couple that I can remember prayed together. Hmm. Like they just, they don't know how to do it. And they've mm-hmm. never done it. And their parents didn't do it. It wasn't yes. modeled for them. Right. Um, and yet, I look at my own failed marriage and and it, I had my faith, he had his faith, and this is, I'm even, you know, a pastor. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the only time we prayed together was as a family. Yeah. But as a couple, we did not pray together. Yeah, yeah. And after I got divorced, I thought, I wonder if that would have looked different had we been more intimate with our faith. Mm. Um, because it's just not something that we... Sh- I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit, but uh-huh. it's not something that we really shared. So I became kind of really passionate about right. this idea that, gosh, you have to you have to have it in order for, for the greatest for the greater good of your relationship. Yes. I think that it's it like I, now in dating and, you know, it's something that I really want. Like I I, I have to be able to right. pray with you and I have to be able to talk to you about Jesus. And, you know, it's something that I really, really want in a relationship. And, um, and so how, what I would like to do is talk about how to do that, because I don't think people know even where to start. Mm. So when people come to see you and, and do people ever come see you and say, how do we do this? Uh, sometimes, and the, and typically those are the uh, couples who are starting on the journey, mm-hmm. like just starting. Yeah, and they're kind of newly married know, or excited or... but scared. And when you look around, you know your models aren't often encouraging or helpful, and so it it kind of helps you say, "I might want to get some extra input here." Mm-hmm. Is there something that might make a difference mm-hmm. at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how we end up? So, mm-hmm. so that does happen. Yeah, those are those are good couples. Those are great to work mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. I bet because yeah. they just want what's best. Yes. So, where? How do you help couples start this journey together? So, um, I think it's very important uh, for all of us, and I would want your listeners to make this a nuanced conversation with important distinctions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not good enough to have a profession of faith. Mm-hmm. You have to have a practice of your faith, but also there's healthy and unhealthy practices of your faith. So uh, I even did my dissertation on uh, healthy and unhealthy ways of being religious. Mm. That had to be interesting. It was very fun to work on. Wow. Very convicting, too. Yeah, I bet. As I mentioned last time, I was in the process of eroding my own relationship for the so-called glory of God. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just about what I believe, and it's not just what I do. It's about motives mm. that are driving it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I grew up as a preacher's kid Mm -hmm. and never saw my mom and dad fight once and came home from summer camp and found out that she was gone and they were getting divorced. When you told me that, I was shocked. Yeah. So there's, you know, unhealthy ways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of having a faith. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to really be clear about that because it's... An unhealthy way of having a faith will not flourish relationships. Mm-hmm. It will always be a, a harm to relationships. So what are some of those unhealthy ways that you see in couples? Like okay. if somebody's listening and like, is he talking about me? Yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do that, I that's in what that we category? Want, well, all of us, we want to <laughs> reflect on that and, mm-hmm. and think about that. Mm-hmm. If I could put that question on hold for a moment and then just try to like set a backdrop for it. Perfect. Okay. So um, one of the 
really great things that one of our early church thinkers uh, helped us with is this concept called the unity of truth. And I've never heard it's this. It's Thomas Aquinas, and, and what he's saying is all truth is God's truth. Mm-hmm. There's no truth apart from God because God is truth. Mm-hmm. And all truth is congruent with itself. That makes sense. So whether we have truth that we get through direct revelation, special revelation, we would say we have the Word and we have the Word. We have the scriptures of God that we believe are inspired by God, mm-hmm. where he used humans to give us his Word. And then we have the Word in the incarnate Word of Christ, who was all of the fullness of God in human form and God in one mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so we have that as direct revelation, but we also have what we would refer to as general revelation, and uh, this is where we have discovered truths of God, and we have reason, and we have scientific method. Mm-hmm. So if, if we just looked first at the general revelation, we've learned a lot about relationships. We talked about this a little bit last time in the research, in the longitudinal empirical research that helps us. So we, we learn about actual outcomes in relationships, the three basic groups, people that don't stay together, people that stay together but aren't glad they're staying together, and then people that stay together and on the overall average are glad. So we understand that group three what is it that sets them apart from groups one and two? Mm-hmm. The best summary statement about that is it doesn't have to do with their unchangeable predictive variables. Mm-hmm. It has to do with their changeable predictive variables, and those are how we interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Or you might say it's not the feelings of love, it's the actions of love. Mm-hmm. And it's actions of love in two different domains. Our relationship enrichment, how we actually create the impact of love in the other, but also our relationship management, how we deal with those inevitable differences, problems, and conflicts that all couples are going to have. And for both of those two domains, the key characteristic of group number three is that they make choices in the good times and the bad times where they are moving towards one another rather than moving away from one another or against one another. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the interesting thing, if you also look at our learnings and understandings from developmental psychology, we find there's this really interesting interplay between identity and intimacy. And this begins at birth. This is very influential in our earliest vertical relationship with our caregiver, how that develops patterns for us and how we relate in horizontal relationships Mm. in the future. Mm. And so it, it totally shapes how I'm prone to move towards or how I'm prone to move against or away. Wow. That just because of the home we were born in, just because of what we observed growing up. It's a combination of who I am unique as a person, Mm -hmm. personality. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of how I'm nurtured Mm -hmm. and you might say programmed, Mm -hmm. even neurologically, Mm -hmm. how I'm brain programmed Mm -hmm. in my early life formative experience experiences. And then also my experiences outside of my home, family of origin, growing up. Mm -hmm. So these all develop patterns Mm -hmm. of choice making, Mm -hmm. of interaction, of moving towards or moving against Mm -hmm. or moving away. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a perfect initial vertical relationship, a perfect caregiver. Right. So we all are broken people in a broken, fallen world raised by broken parents who were raised by broken parents and are broken. So there's always going to be gaps Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that early development. Yeah, sure. So 
the question is, what do we do with those gaps? Especially mm -hmm. as it turns to this question of identity and then intimacy. Mm -hmm. the, the less I'm whole and healthy in my personal identity, the more I'm going to be prone to compensate for that in new horizontal relationships. Mm. And what does that look like? And that is about putting expectations on the relationship that the relationship cannot bear the mm. weight of. Mm. Mm. You are my significance. Mm. You are my security. Mm -hmm. You are my identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Apart from you, I can't have any of that. Mm. See, that's way too much weight for sure. that relationship sure. to bear. Sure. Now, from a... That's so interesting. Christian worldview perspective, we have a whole new way of dealing with that problem. And that is we can have a new vertical relationship with a perfect mm -hmm. caregiver mm -hmm. that can bring us in a redemptive way to free us up from these unmet early needs that frees me to take away those kinds of expectations from an earthly relationship. Mm -hmm. So my favorite quote about this was actually uh, written by my little brother, Craig. <laughs> so I'll give him a plug here. <laughs> and, and so the quote is, the secret to intimacy is experiencing the sufficiency of God's love apart from the other person. Wow. Really and then there's the second part. It's the only way you will ever be free to love another human being who cannot meet the deepest needs of your soul. Wow. Will you say all of that one more time? Isn't that it's so a good? Gripper? Yeah. Good I taught job. I good taught job, him Craig. everything he knows. <laughs> well, you did good. That's, but it's his quote. It's a so great quote. Let me say it again. Yeah, I want to hear it. Two parts. First part. The secret to intimacy is experiencing the sufficiency of God's love without that other person. It's the only way you will ever be free to give love to another human being who can never meet the deepest needs of your soul. So good. See how that changes I mean, everything. It's a amen. whole different working model. Kev, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the answer. It's so true. But it's not natural yeah, to no, any no, of no, us, no. see? And so that's why I'm prone to naturally and automatically try to cope mm -hmm. with my brokenness in a broken world with another broken person mm -hmm. in ways that tend to add problems on top of a deeper problem. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So how how does somebody who's sitting there listening to this, their first question, and they they know that that quote applies to them because it applies yes. to all of us. The question would be, then how do I get that? Yes. How do we do that? It's the name of your show. It's the remedy. Mm -hmm. The remedy mm -hmm. is not natural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have lots of great research about what it ends up looking like in terms of our interaction with one another, mm -hmm. in terms of how that puts us in group number three instead of group number two or group number one. Mm -hmm. But what the, what the faith does, what a good, accurate theology does, is it gives you a redemptive healing process. It gives me the remedy to no longer seek the answer where the answer cannot be found. Yeah. Yeah. And so it forces me back to a new vertical relationship. And that's where With the, the new life, yeah. that's where the freed life mm -hmm. comes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you go back to our earliest story of man and woman in relationship with not only one another, but with God, we have this picture of oneness that's not based in sameness. Mm. It's actually in the midst of difference. Mm. Isn't that an interesting yeah, thing? it really is. 
And so you see it in the Trinity itself, three persons, one being, yeah. perfect oneness, mm-hmm. harmony, accord, mm-hmm. okay? And then you see God saying, let's create man and woman in our image so they can be image bearers of us to reflect this oneness, not based in sameness. But also, as Christopher West says, to experience, to participate in this eternal exchange of love mm-hmm. in the midst of difference. Mm-hmm. And so, so you have that communion, that oneness with God, as it's described in the garden, mm-hmm. that's free. It's no barriers. Yep. Okay? You even see it with one another, naked and unashamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Okay, and so it's not just physically naked. Yeah, we're fully vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We can fully see the difference, and yet fully love mm-hmm. one another, move towards one another. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as the story continues, though, what happens is. We chose life apart from God. Mm-hmm. We lost the face of God. Mm-hmm. And then we experience separateness, not only from God, but with one another. Mm-hmm. And then what do we see? Hiding. Yep. We're hiding. And, and it, the interesting thing is, if you, if you follow the storyline in the garden, they see with the eye, they take with the hand, They eat with the mouth, but none of those things got covered. Mm. What got covered? Mm -hmm. Their bodies. Private parts. Mm -hmm. That which was most clearly different from one another. Yeah. I've never thought about that. We continue to live behind our fig leaves Mm -hmm. with one another Mm -hmm. out of fear of rejection if we were really known. Wow. Here's another great quote. Um, this one comes from Tim Keller. Who I love. To, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Yeah. To be known but not loved is our worst nightmare. To be fully known and fully loved is our greatest yearning. Wow. It's so true. It's so true. Isn't that something? Yeah. And that's how we're loved by God. Yeah. And that's when we get swallowed up in that love by God. That's what frees us to love one another without our fig leaves. Mm -hmm. And that's that interplay between identity and intimacy. Yeah. So it's actually a life that's not achieved. It's a life received. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all by grace. Mm -hmm. And when I get gripped by that level of grace, uh, Tim's definition of the gospel is, I'm more desperately wicked than even I would ever dream to imagine. Mm -hmm. And yet, in Christ, his record on my behalf, I'm more dearly loved and accepted than I could ever dream or imagine. Yeah. So that transforms my identity, which frees me up in my intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. To fully love. Yes. Mm-hmm. So And to be open and honest and humble and do all the things that move you toward the other person instead of away or against. And of course... Just because I come to faith in these beliefs and affirm that to be true doesn't mean that that's my operational theology right. as I'm struggling for intimacy with another person. Right. It's, it's a lifelong process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, because we, we're always afraid. Like there's always a percent of fear that lives inside of us that thinks, if I show if them you this, really knew this, yes. If you really knew this, then there's no way you could continue to fully love me. Mm -hmm. So, like you said. And that's true from a human love point of view. Yeah, yeah. See? Yeah. So we need an Mm out-of-this-world love to love in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's the difference maker. It is the difference maker. It has to be more than beliefs. So it can't be a faith of my own making. So a couple who's struggling to find or trust that intimacy, um, to find, to, to believe that they could have this kind of relationship, how, how do you help them? How do you, I mean, where does a couple who feels so far from that level of intimacy, mm-hmm. how do they start moving to that? Okay. So it's incremental steps. Mm-hmm. It's not a presto change of right. kind of a thing. Right. But it has to start with the right foundation. And so if I'm moving into a relationship with the working model that says you complete me mm-hmm. or you fill my gaps, mm-hmm. then it doesn't have a chance. Right. Right. Okay. So you might figure out a way that you still do life together. But it's not, that human cannot meet those deepest needs of your soul. Yeah. It's true. And uh, that human, that, sh- that Neiman Marcus, that, yeah. that glass of wine, I mean, it's, yeah. there's a lot of people who use relationships, but there's a lot of people who use other things, yeah. too. Yeah. Anything other than God that becomes the source of things that only God can be the source of yeah. is an idol in my life, and an idol never fulfills. Yep. It only creates new problems. Yep. It only complicates things. We we have to think about idols differently than it's just something that those pagans in the jungles bow down to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It can even be good things. Yeah. Like a spouse can be my idol. Yeah, your children. Yeah. Yeah. Worthy things. It doesn't have to be bad, Mm -hmm. but, I mean... I'm sure everybody and you have heard, and I've said it a thousand times, there's a God-sized hole inside of all of us that can only be filled by God. And And when we try or pursue other things to fill that space, like you said, it just doesn't work. Ultimately, it just creates more problems. It does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though we're talking about this now and I really believe it, on a day-to-day basis... I keep going back to my idols. Right, right. And so does everybody and, else. And it's always going to show itself in my relationships, and especially in my most important relationship. Yeah. It, it can't not show itself yeah. there. And is that, because, um, is that because our greatest fear is that losing that love? Is that why those things show up there? Why do, why do, why do things hit our most intimate relationships? Yeah. In the, our most intimate relationships, it's where it's really the hardest to hide mm. and get away with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do hide in my relationship, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to get away with it there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Part of it's just because Kathy's a hard person to hide from, but any person in a deeper relationship, yeah. you, it's hard to hide. And so it's that, you know, God gift to you of a partner is your full-length mirror to see yourself. Yeah. And to, you said that last time, yeah. and when I heard that, I loved it. It's, it's so true. It's hard to hide. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I have found this in just learning from you and listening to you and being counseled with you that, that it, relationships do, I mean, it is an opportunity. It is an opportunity yes. to fully see yourself in a way that you would never have. And it's an opportunity to change. But like you said, that change is really difficult because our default is human. Yes. I mean, we have we we go right back to reset every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think the two greatest teachers in my life were my husband and my children. Mm. Because I see myself... That was the clearest mirror yes, to look into. Yes. yes. And the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the hardest one to look into because yeah. they tell you and teach you and right. force you to see you know, things if, that you if don't want to see. If it wasn't for Kathy, I would be a spiritual legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know what the truth is? I mean, and I've seen this just being divorced. It's so... It's so much easier to be, to, 
alone in, yes. in many ways, you know? It's, it's easier to hide. Yes, it's And to easier hide to from hide. yourself, not yes. just others. Yes, for sure. You know, I, I don't have to work so hard on me mm-hmm. alone, which then helps you understand why God wants us to be in relationship. Yes. Because we have the greatest opportunity to become the best version of ourselves with a true mirror. Mm-hmm. That's a good quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can quote me I next say, time. I say, okay, I'll try to remember that. <laughs> but I do think that relationships are our labs. I call them relational labs for personal transformation. Yeah. That, that's where the best work happens. Yeah. And the deeper in the funnel you are, the deeper the change transformation potential is. Yeah. And it's what's funny and interesting is oftentimes, and I'm sure you see this a lot, when it gets too hard and too much transformation is required, mm-hmm. that's when people leave. Yes. Because it's too much. And that's probably when they should stay. That's their opportunity. Yeah, it is an opportunity. I wouldn't go as far as to say you should stay in every situation. Yeah, oh, for sure. And even God makes allowances for divorce. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's not his first desire, but he realizes the brokenness yeah. in us personally, in the parents that raise us, in the world around us. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that brokenness and even the hardness of our own hearts and the hearts of partners were covenanted with Mm -hmm. that he has made allowances for that yeah so and i so agree and he's he's a redeemer he can redeem anything yes and so if um if anybody has a divorce experience in their past that doesn't mean that you're beyond redemption or you cannot experience god's flourishing for your life yes i I a thousand percent agree with that, but it's something that I had to work through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt, I felt very justified. I don't know what else, what other word to use. I felt very justified to get out of, of my marriage, but, but I also, I mean, there's there was shame. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of shame being, being a you know I was teaching Bible studies. Mm-hmm. I was a pastor of a large church, and you know, people looked to me to for how it's supposed to go mm-hmm. and you know i wasn't it's this wasn't how it was supposed to go yes you know but i and when i got divorced i i had this you know group of 500 plus emails of women that were in my bible studies and i wrote them i wrote them all an email and wow. told them you know i'm getting divorced and that was mm. i mean i was up all night and mm. I remember writing that email and I, my hands shaking mm. as I'm pushing send and and I was so scared that people would be so disappointed right or think I was a fraud or you know and um and the love you know just yes. the outpouring of of love and and hope and mm-hmm. and then people sharing their stories with me yes. you know it was the the response was was quite beautiful, and so and and what God has done in me since then. Right. So right. I a hundred percent agree yeah. with you. I don't think that you have to stay. I don't think you should. In several different, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons, you should. Yes. You don't have to stay, and I don't think God wants that. I'm, but I do think that I do think, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this. I think that most people who are married and together, but not glad, you know, I think Mm -hmm. a a lot of people my age, probably your age Mm -hmm. are in this category. They've been married forever. They, you know, it's just become routine. Yes. Um, They don't, they don't, they're not going to get divorced because nothing bad is happening, Mm -hmm. but they're, not glad that they're together and and i just believe that when you're sharing that foundation that that when you're rooted in faith together there's just a lightness and a joy that can be found in a relationship that otherwise wouldn't exist 
I mean, it's not going to be perfect, yes, right? But but I do believe that it creates it, it creates a happier, more joyful. Yes. Well, space. W- what happens is the gospel frees us. Mm-hmm. So, it I I say it has a spiritual freedom, a psychological freedom, and a sociological freedom. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're really gripped by the gospel, the way Tim Keller's talking about, you're realizing how huge grace is, mm-hmm. not just globally, but for me personally. Mm-hmm. So it frees me from my own penalty of sin and my independence from God. Mm-hmm. It frees me from the power of sin that it need not dominate over me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't free me from the presence of sin. Yeah. In fact, even as a follower of God and a new creature in Christ, Paul says, sin is still at home within me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's at home within me, mm-hmm. see? And it will be that truth until I for all of us. die. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's the grace that becomes so gripping that it frees me from choosing for sin to dominate over me. Mm-hmm. It's like the story of compelling love. When I was in opposition to Christ, adversarial to him, independent of him, he moved towards me mm-hmm. at his cost. Mm-hmm. And when I'm really gripped by that, Paul says, receive others as you have been received by Christ. Mm-hmm. So it, if it's a spouse, I can move towards them when they're adversarial to me. See, it's that grace that frees me. Yeah. The psychological freedom is realizing that my ultimate needs are not met in that person. Mm-hmm. They're only met in my vertical relationship with God, not a horizontal relationship. And the more I'm gripped by the grace of that, the more it frees me up with that person from all the game playing yeah. that I do while I'm still behind my fig leaves. Yeah. It frees me up from that. So Kathy can say, and this is something I'm really working on, I'm not arrived in this, <laughs> but she could point out something that I'm naturally going to be defensive about, mm-hmm. see? Why? What, why am I defensive? Well, I'm kind of saying you need to think differently than you're thinking about me so that I can be okay. Mm-hmm. 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 That's so true. <laughs> so I can't let you think that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that fuels a negative interaction of me either against her or away from her because I don't want to be confronted with I'm not okay in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that See? makes perfect sense. So this, the gospel gives me a psychological freedom to not be defensive or to not be aggressive about things that are coming up between us that are making me personally not feel okay mm-hmm. about myself. I've never thought of it like that. But you're, that is such a, that's a great, that's a great insight. And so... It even works. It even works when they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I don't think you quite got this one right, but I'm not going to fight you on it because there's so many other worse things than this that you haven't brought up about me yet. (laughs) (laughs) That are true. So, what's the point? (laughs) That is so funny. (laughs) And it's grace that frees me from that. See. It also gives me a sociological freedom in the sense that I have no higher plane position over anyone. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you're divorced. I haven't been divorced, but I've been divorced in my marriage, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though not legally divorced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What's the difference? See, so... I'm equally in need of grace to you, to anybody. There's nobody anywhere that's any more in need of grace than I am. Yeah, or less. Or less. We're all in the same boat in that regard. It's a great way to say it. So before I let you go, 
Um, I, I, I love what you said because, you know, you could have answered all these questions where well, you need to start praying together and you need to go to church together and you need to uh, talk about God more. And that's not the formula. Mm. And that, uh, like, I just, I love that. Um, I love the insight. It's been so good um, for everybody. And, and I know that you're saying it from a place of, like, you haven't arrived. It's a work in progress. <laughs> yes. And sometimes not that good. Yes. Yeah. So, but what I would, what I would ask for somebody who, who is struggling with the vertical, knowing yes. that that's the answer. Yes. Um, so that we can be better about the horizontal uh, relationships mm-hmm. in our lives. For someone who just, where to, where, where do I start? What do I do? Yeah. Like, how do I seek or find that vertical relationship that is the answer? So again, it's more of a general answer, yeah. not a specific right. thing. I, but uh, but there's people who are listening who like they don't even yeah like they're like yeah that sounds good right you know you know when you're at church and you hear a great sermon and, and you walk out and you're like that right, was a right. great message but now I don't know what, what do to do. do yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I say. Most of us have one of two paths that we try to take to do what I call faith development Mm -hmm. or personal spiritual transformation, or sometimes we call it reformation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So neither one of these two will get us where we need to go, and it's the third option that's the hardest, but the one that we need. Okay. Okay. So let me do the first two. Okay. So the first one is where we say, I recognize I can't do this apart from God. I'm dependent on God. But I take a passive approach to how I'm dependent on God. Mm-hmm. And this would be like the bumper sticker. But I would say there's, let me just say what it is. The let go and let God approach mm-hmm. could be a good application. But the bad application of that is I'm going to be passive. Right. And I get dependent. that. Okay. Yep. I've never fallen off the balance beam in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm always falling off in the other direction. And that is I'm realizing how important it is to be active in the process mm-hmm. rather than passive. But I become active in an independent way. Mm. So I'm doing it for God but apart from God. It's mm. a great way to say it. See? I'm I'm like not depending on the supernatural power that is required and necessary for that level of change yeah. in my life. Yeah. So that leaves me the third option and that's an active dependence. Mm. So I'm 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 battling every day to get on that third option. That's hard. But when I'm with the third option what I'm saying is Apart from my vertical relationship, that's not going to change what needs to change. I'm not going to be out from behind my fig leaves. I'm not going to be free to love a person who can't meet the deepest needs of my soul. I need a supernatural power Mm -hmm. to -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm recognizing the dependency. So I'm releasing my active independent approach or I'm releasing my passive dependent approach Mm -hmm. because I'm also realizing that not only am I dependent but I do have to be actively dependent and so this is where it's never my efforts that brings about this change but I have to be in the pathway of grace as Dallas Willard says it's always grace that's going to change me Mm -hmm. But if I'm not in the pathway of grace, even if I'm a professing believer and follower of Christ, then that kind of change is not going to happen. So I have to be active in being in the pathway of grace. And so so what does that look like? Those those are the spiritual disciplines of my life. Mm -hmm. See, So um, These are private disciplines, but also communal disciplines Mm -hmm. that I willingly subject myself to, to put me. It's not the spiritual disciplines that makes me spiritual. Yeah. 
Like, if you do more spiritual disciplines than me, then you're not more spiritual than right. me. Right. <laughs> right. But I have to have mm-hmm. some way of getting that. in the pathway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's that grace that does this freeing work yep. in my life. Yeah. And that looks different for everybody. Uh, similar and different, I would say. Yeah. That's a better way yeah. to say it. Yeah. Similar and different. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect way to say it. I've never heard it explained like that. I love it. And that's for sure a process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I love that you keep reminding us of that because I think that, you know, one of the things that um, right, right after my divorce, I went to a counselor, Janice Gant, who has been in here several times. I, um, I would, you know, go talk to her and I'm on this, you know, journey of really wanting to know myself better, become a better version mm-hmm. of myself. You know, you learn a lot about yourself getting divorced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and one day I was just sobbing in her office and I'm like, Janice, when am I going to get there? Like, <laughs> when am I going to get there? And she just started laughing. She's like, T, there is no, there is no there. <laughs> you know, she was like, as soon as you get there, there's going to be another there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... That's part of that pathway of, yes. of grace is knowing that you're on a path, you're on a journey, and so is everybody mm-hmm. else. And mm-hmm. and there is there is no there. But as long as you're as long as you find yourself in the path, you know, on the path, I think that that's a really great place to be. Yes. Dr. Barnes, thank you. Thank so you. Good. So good. So good. You're you are wise. You are a wise man. <laughs> Learning the hard way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Okay. Appreciate it. Bye bye.